Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, January 26th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We have no guests. We have no themes. I don't have much. I really don't have anything to open with today that isn't the same stuff we've been talking about day in and day out. So I'd much rather take your questions. So I'm just going to sit here and not say anything until you call. So pick up the phone and dial 855-950-3835. Calls are already starting to come in. Keep them coming. Um, I really don't have a lot today. I did a recorded show yesterday for tomorrow. So tomorrow's show's not live, so you won't be able to call tomorrow. So you better call today. Uh, I just did a a wrap up of a bunch of topics that I've been following for a while and needed to get it out. I've got to take uh, tomorrow off to go take care of the coach and figure out um, our travel plans for the spring. It's possible. Uh, In fact, it's kind of likely at this point. I haven't made an official announcement yet. But uh, we may not be at the Louisville Truck Show this year. We're, we're working with them right now to try to find some seminar space. And they've got a lot of things going on at the show. Uh, and we, they gave us some space, just not enough time right now. I was really hoping to do a lot of seminars there this year. So I just have to decide. It's a it's a big trip for us. We have a lot of projects going on. It may make more sense for us to get the the projects done, skip that travel this year, and we're already working with them about next year. I mean, we're we're really next year with the truck show give it gives us lots of new options. They're working on some new things for the show going forward. So. We're already working on that. It may make more sense for us to skip this year. So uh, we'll let you know, but tomorrow um, is a part of that. So tomorrow's show will be recorded. It actually is recorded already. Calls are starting to come in, so I'm going to get to them. Keep them coming, 855-950-3835. Let's go to, uh uh-oh. Hey, Brian. Call back. I just hit the wrong button and dropped you. Um, let's go to Florida. Tony, welcome to the program. Here I am asking for calls and then hanging up on people. Uh, Tony, go ahead. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I have a question about my truck uh, before you ask for my address and kick my ass for getting a, a Tesla again. <laughs> the coolant it somehow simultaneously leaks out while the truck is off at a truck stop just randomly. I, and I find uh, the tank empty and it's barking at me for cooling uh, on my next shift. And I'm like, what really? are you talking about? The, uh, it, it was parked with the engine off. Uh, so there's that. And, and then we can move on to uh, so, uh, t- tire pressure. And I'm going to put it back on Bluetooth while, you, okay. while I go so, through this ag station and try not to get caught. Got it. So the... Um the coolant leak is not unusual to have a leak sitting when a truck's cold. What might be unusual is, did you say this was intermittent? It doesn't do it all the time? Yes, it's completely random. Like once uh, every two weeks, 
and it's usually while the truck's off. I did put in a new tank. It, it was discovered that there was a crack in the tank, and I thought that fixed it when they put in a new reservoir. And uh, but no, it's not. Still, yeah, I see, I coolant on the ground. Under- I would have thought that the tank would have fixed it too. As soon as I we had that problem, we found the crack in the tank. I would have said, "Yep, that's it." Sometimes the way the truck's sitting there, it kind of seals itself. Other times, it spreads apart a little bit and leaks more. That would have made sense, except you put a new tank on it and it didn't fix it. When there's coolant on the ground, can you follow the coolant upwards to figure out where it's starting? I'm a lazy bastard. That is my next step. Yeah, that's and that's but, the only next step. I mean, it really is. We it, it, we're lucky. See, there are some coolant leaks that we can't see because they only happen when the truck's running down the road, and then by the time we stop, everything's dry, and it's really hard to find those. This shouldn't be that hard. When there's a puddle, you just start working your way up. And, you know, get a nice bright light. Sometimes even, you know, the, they make really inexpensive little cameras right now with flexible arms so you can get in behind things and look. A good bright light and a camera, and you just keep working up till you figure out where this is coming from. Don't you think this is pretty uh, egregious that there's no leak while the truck's working? <sighs> it's only when it's off. Like, wouldn't you think it'd be like, climbing hills and well, screaming it, for coolant in it, the cold, it, but it's when it's off. So, yeah, I can believe it because, like I said, it's not uncommon. It's actually very common. I mean, this is one of the more common kind of coolant leaks when the truck's just sitting there, it leaks coolant. There are reasons. There are times where it's leaking from a place that only when it's sitting in cold does enough coolant settle into that to create the leak. When it's running and that coolant is circulating, then it's not leaking. So, yeah, it, 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 this isn't that unusual. It's just, and like I said, this one's easier to find that than the opposite. And, okay, before I start complaining to Joel about my uh – seven miles to the gallon that it, it doesn't seem like this pack car can make it over. Um, I said it would get eight going at 60 miles an hour, but I'm, I'm starting to have to take that back. I don't think the truck is capable and no matter how slow I go, but I'll still try it. Tire pressure. And why are they pulling me into this way station just because I'm on the phone with you? Damn it. Well, <laughs> uh, you're still telling me that my tire pressure, I am losing a little, because it's over 110, but it's not 120 like I usually like it. Because, okay. again, I'm a lazy bastard, and I can't find so, any air hoses at the low. No, I've I left them, I, and yeah. I'm losing a little bit of pressure. So one of the big reasons you see a lot of pressure fluctuations this time of year, low pressure, is just temperature. I mean, the, 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 air, the tire didn't lose any air. It's just it got colder. So your pressure inside the tire goes down. I still usually like to fill them up, even when it's zero up to 120, yeah. like it yeah. says. And I'm trusting that you guys aren't going to blow out a tire because you always say that it doesn't, you know, it's not high pressure, it's low pressure. 
Is that still true? It's always been true. It will always be true. We we almost can't blow out a tire with air pressure. I think Mike Beckett said he's seen testing where that tire will go to like 300 pounds of pressure. It's the rim that would fail, which just seems really bizarre. Yes. We have rims that are only rated for like 130 pounds. And we go beyond that. And I you know, I, I've tested at 140 on wide singles, and they said, well, the rim might fail. It, it's one of those engineering things. We know we can push the limits somewhat, but the tire itself does not fail from too much pressure. The worst that can happen from too much pressure is we could set up a, a weird wear pattern. You know, you put so much air into a tire that the the flat, the tread should lay flat, but you inflate it so much that the shoulders start to curve. Then you'll get some weird wear patterns. But that's about the worst that can happen from too much pressure. That and your ride gets rough. But other than that, your fuel economy goes up. The tire is going to last longer. Um, High pressure is better than low. Yeah, and I can you. To, to, um, to fail at getting a proper response from these tire mechanics. Every time I get a tire, and by the way, this uh, pack car is on double-wide singles, which I do love. I know you hate them, but they, they will not air up my tires to 120 like I asked. I know. They always stop at 105, <laughs> and they look at me like I'm from outer space. What? I know. It's a little high. I know. They won't. They just, and they tell so, me I'm going to have a flat. If I do it, (laughs) I'd love for them to explain that. I I would love for them to explain how putting 120 pounds of pressure in a tire is going to create a flat. And I want to see an example of it because it doesn't exist. It's amazing the ignorance. Here's another option. It's not the greatest option. It's what I do with the coach because I need to get mine over 130. My steer tires are running 140 sometimes uh, because I've got the big heavy-duty front steer tires. I, you know, bought one of those cheap construction compressors that will go up to about 150. They just don't pump a lot of volume. So you want to get, you know, clip-on – inflators so you can just stick it on there and walk away because i've had tires take 15 minutes to get five more pounds in them but it it, at least i can do it i'm tired of being out on the road and you can't find anybody that'll put any pressure into them all right so you're promising me that when my gauge explodes and it's over its range that, that gauge pops out to over 150 in my uh in route inspection that, that, that that's okay. It's the tire will not blow. My gauge will. And I've had to, to switch out gauges because my, my pressure is too high and it breaks the gauge. But that's not going to blow the tire. I'm safe. You are not going to blow. Now, I heard you say 150. We, there, I've, I've never recommended 150 pounds of pressure. I did talk about 140 well, at, at just, wide as singles. As the tire but, rolls down the road. Oh, 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 no. That's let, what it, it gets. Let, well, it's, Let's let's bust this myth right now. It's the opposite. This is hard for people to get their head around. Let's say it's a really hot day. That's when we're worried about too much pressure when we have a lot of heat. Let's say we started the day at 
a hundred. Let's say we started the day at 80. You know, we're talking about a drive tire here and we want a nice soft ride. So we start the day at 80 in the drive tires. Now, the truck right next to us, we do the same thing, but we start those at 120. Watch what happens when those trucks go down the road. The guy who started with the lower pressure will end up with higher pressure when he's driving in the heat. The reason is the less pressure you put in that tire, the more the tire is allowed to flex. And that's what gives us the softer ride, that flexing of the sidewall. If you take a piece of material, rubber, and you just keep flexing it back and forth, what happens to it? It gets hot. You can feel it. You could do that in your hands. You could take a piece of rubber and just keep flexing it and it will get warm. So it's, it's an oxymoron, but it's when you start with lower pressure on a hot day, you end up with higher pressure. You start with good high pressure, you won't see it climb as much. But in either case, you're not in any danger of blowing the tire itself. I have never seen a tire blow because it had too much pressure. Okay, because if I start out in, uh, you know, North Carolina at zero degrees and I put 120 into those tires, by the time I get to Florida and it's 100 degrees and I go to check my tires in uh, Jacksonville and it's 160, you know, my gauge is blowing up. I'm still okay. My tires will take that. Yes, they have every time. You've never blown one. No, neither neither has anybody else. You're right, but it doesn't make it any less scary because we've been told all our lives, uh, that's too much pressure. I no, know. you're going to blow the... T- Not going to happen. They're probably talking about car tires. I, I, honestly, I'd love for somebody to show me a car tire that ever blew up because somebody put too much pressure in one. I've never seen it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why we fear that. It never happens. Nobody ever sees that. Nobody's ever experienced it. Oh, yeah, my comment on Facebook about the 5% uh, 5% driver quality on fuel reduction, that was kind of extreme. But I see where Joel is coming from on the, you know, the driver uh, input. He, he called it 50%. It, it's off topic, but... No, it, it, you know, that's an interesting topic. Um, for years, I said it was 30% because that was a report I saw but later on i saw some research where it did say 40 percent you know we have a hard time ever seeing that in the real world though um and maybe it's just because we don't we don't test it enough um you know in a slip seat operation it'd be nice to see some of that data if somebody would track it but the the one thing that we do know is it's getting less and less important as technology gets better. Now, they told us 20 years ago, automated manual transmissions took a lot of that away. It really didn't. Um, if we spec today's trucks right, then the driver can't have as much of an impact as they used to be able to have. So I, I don't know what that number is. And it's like most numbers. It's just an average anyway. On some trucks, that impact is going to be less. On some trucks, it's going to be more. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, shipper appointment schedules because I think this whole discussion about uh, going fast or going slow on profitability 
comes down to these drivers think that they can deliver early. And what if they could? Like, what if everything was first come, first serve? We've talked about that. I think that would totally change Joel's outlook on on driver uh, skill and efficiency. And we we would not be going slow in that case. Am you, I wrong? You know, you, and what I, can we do? B- believe it about or not, that? you are wrong. Um, and the one way we've been able to prove this over the years is we've had people in in drop and hook operations where they they don't have any time constraints at all. They just go drive. And it turns out that driving fast still doesn't get you many more miles. It just doesn't work. You you never get that that mathematical expectation you think you're going to get. Well, I'm going 10 more miles an hour for 10 hours every day. I should be able to get 100 more miles every day. You never do, though. Well, that'd be because of the hours of service, and that would be step two. And I, I believe I do have to say that is mathematical malpractice still. Because there is absolutely no way. If you can run as as hard as you want, uh, there's a reason why they put those laws into place. Well, wait, well, wait a minute. Even if you can run as fast as you want, what if you're in an area where traffic doesn't allow you to run that fast? There's so many variables in this. That that's the whole point. Everybody wants to be able to go faster without having a a financial penalty for it, it almost never happens. So we just have to play the odds. Somebody will come on here and give me a scenario where going faster works. It does happen. We've the, the one we talk about all the time, if you're in a local operation where you have so much time in a day to get as much work done as you can, and once that day ends, the, the, the pit closes or whatever your operation is... Once that day ends, you can't make up that work anymore. You just start over again the next day. In a case like that, driving faster absolutely works. You may be able to get one more full load in for that day. That gives you like 30% more revenue that day. That's, and that's why you see all these local haulers drive like maniacs. All the aggregate guys and fuel haulers, and, and they drive like maniacs because it does make a difference. They should just be paid by the hour for safety reasons alone. But once you get to an over-the-road operation, I, I, I'm going to say like 90% of the time, you're not going to make more money by going faster. You're just not. I think that a lot of new carriers and, and – uh drivers are operating like the fruit hauler and i did that and that believe you'll you'll think this is funny i complained to the government about how hard they made me work in that truck they were trying to kill me (laughs) they did not give you a break you had to work right i mean i I, i'm ashamed to say this but it, it was and it didn't pay very good you had to run your ass off but i think there are a lot of listeners to this show that are running their business like that and they are trying to get that load off early, get to the next one, and just go fast. And you're right. It, it's not going to work. So what I want to push for is is getting everybody first come, first serve, because I don't think these appointments are good for business. I agree. 
I, you know, and hours of service too. Yeah, hours it, of service too. The one thing I'll always say: we're a very diverse industry. We do a lot of different things, and one of the complaints about hours of service is that you're never going to get them to fit all of those different segments and operations. It's just not going to happen. Um, but we, we, we're stuck with what we've got when it comes to hours of service. I, I'm with you, though. I think there are probably operations that do need to schedule and that it would work better. But I think for the most part, most of the general freight running around should not be scheduled like that. And before, before we end this topic, uh, I do have something that you might want to hear. You're going to love this if, if we're done. Yeah, go ahead. I got a parking ticket in Dallas. If you have any ways to get out of that, the CB already told me just pay it and be done with it. There was a fire hydrant you can't see. I was out of hours. I was dead tired and sick. And uh, it, it amounts to $155 for sleeping. So, so you know what I think about that. It, I don't need a lecture on paid parking. I know, I know. No, you're you're, you're, say, not, but, but you're yeah. not going to get any lectures here. You're just going to get my take on things like this. I hate dealing with anybody in the government. I hate it. So for me, a hundred and fifty bucks to not have to deal with somebody, I'm all in. Pay it, move on. Yeah, uh, I am going to appear in court on Monday and see what happens. And they're, you know, I'm probably gonna. They're probably gonna ask for my address, but you know, I have to try because that, you know, it, 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 what do they want me to do? Uh, get in a wreck? I was sick. I had to blow my nose every hour. They told me to park there. It's right outside the shipper. There's no sign. And I mean, come on. No, I I, I get it. But here's the thing that would make me insane. I take time out of my day to go get to court, which is always just a hassle and deal with all that crap and then find out they're not going to give me a break anyway, then I'm going to be really pissed. I I would rather just pay it and move on. Yeah, I'm I'm actually stupid enough or fortunate enough that I've found loads and actually with uh, D.H. Robinson back and forth that aren't that bad. Well, you know, may, maybe can you can beat this. Be productive, yeah. and still do it. Yeah, there you go. Give it a shot. Course, See what the happens. The real reason I'm I'm doing this is to try and find a wife. Uh, but but it just is all working out. Hey, hey, Tony. And just I'll so you know, see what I can do. Just so you know, I don't know how many. I, I've told this story before, but I haven't told it in a while. Um, when we met Aaron and and brought Aaron in as a partner. Um, the way that whole thing happened was kind of funny. And I'm talking about this because you said you're doing this to look for a wife. Aaron had started, he was young. He was just out of college. Him and a partner had started a um, a web hosting and design company. So if you wanted somebody to build you a website from scratch, you would go to them and they would do the whole thing, design, programming, all of that. Um, They were one of their clients was a guy who had started a website, um, it was a trucker's dating site, you know, like farmersonly.com. Remember that one? The commercials used to be on all the time. This was like truckersonly.com, trucker's dating site. Um, so Aaron is building this for this guy and the guy dies. 
and he owes Aaron a bunch of money for all this work they've done, and they're a small struggling company, and the guy dies. And his widow says, look, I don't have any money. I can't pay you. Um, I'll give you the website. So they took the website, and they were at truck shows trying to get this thing going, and that's when we met him and said, look, we have more important things for you guys to be doing in the trucking industry. So that's, uh, that's the backstory to how our website got started. Wow, that's amazing, except uh, I'm not on a trucking website. It's pickleball dating, and she posts <laughs> where she plays. So I'm going to – I'm actually a, a beast at pickleball, so I'm you know, going to just be going around doing that while I'm trucking and, and making that's decent Im- money. That's impressive. I've never known anybody that was a beast at pickleball. It, well, you probably could be. It's not that hard. Uh, <laughs> but my, my VO2 stands at – 40 or 51 and maintaining there you go Still waiting for my uh, hrv got a couple questions for for um our man and garmin when, once he comes back on on you know different things that on the watch but uh still going for my five minute mile haven't made it yet so that's inspiration for everybody else pretty close keep at it but i think i'm getting old all right i'll, I'll try Keep at it, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, let's go to Pennsylvania. Brian, sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I don't know why everybody wants to work so hard. And, you know, I've done local work, not not the kind you're talking about where it's like a race. Well, I've done intermodal local, I guess that's. Yeah, it's kind of similar. Yeah, I kind, I kind of disagree with uh, going fast works in local. I, I almost see it the the opposite. Your, your legs of running are so short, and there's so many other opportunities to be delayed. That I, I don't. I really the, don't see it making sense. The one that I I've Just dealt with with local. a lot. Um, it, but even containers were similar to this, but let's take a, an aggregate, you know, local sand and gravel and construction and that kind of stuff. And let's say a trip from, you know, point A to point B takes us, you know, roughly two and a half to three hours around and pays us, you know, 150 bucks or whatever it is. But there's a, there's a hard cutoff on time. If I don't get back to that point to load by 5 o'clock, if I get there at 5.05, too late. You miss that load. You're just done for the day. What's well, 150 bucks? And usually it, I, I can't make that up. I mean, it, 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 all I needed was 10 more minutes to get loaded, and then I could have made $150 more that day. I can never make that up in savings of fuel by going slower all day long. So that's why they these guys do run around like maniacs. It it does make a difference. Yeah, no, I get it. I just I don't know. But you know, I did we did a lot of intermodal work where it was a 30-minute drive and you're I mean even in a drop and hook at a big place, you're going to spend 30 minutes right. there. Right. You know, you're um 
Yeah, I don't know. I and don't and that's know kind that of are. why the only <laughs> way you can make up time in many of those operations, because so much of your time is out of your control, the only control you have over your time is drive faster. Right, right. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I see the math can work out, but to me it just doesn't make sense to stress yourself and your equipment and, you know. But, but anyway, you know, I I got started in that kind of an operation. So I I did local P and D work. So the work, it wasn't quite the same as aggregate where if I had time, I could just keep working the way this system worked is I'd come in in the morning and let's say I had 12 deliveries already on the trailer. And then I go start making my deliveries and pickups start coming in. Okay, here's a pickup. So now I'm going to end up with six pickups. Well, that's all the work. And when I get it done, it's done. So there's no, doesn't seem to be any obvious reason to rush through this work, except there's extra work. There are trailers that might need to be spotted, spotted trailers that might need to be picked up, a special pickup late in the evening sometimes. And if I want to be able to get that extra revenue, I have to be back at a certain time. So rushing all day long might be that 10 minutes I needed to get back to get that extra trailer spot before somebody else got it. And in those kind of operations, right. it, it, it does pay to just be fast at what you do. And that, that isn't just driving. There are other strategies, good time management strategies, building relationships with your shippers and receivers in those areas. So, you know, there were times where it would have saved me two hours if I could get this six pallets off my truck, except there's six other pallets behind it and I have to drive another 30 minutes to get those six pallets off. Except if I have a good relationship with the receiver, they'll pull the pallets off, get their freight, put the pallets back on for me and I can be on my way. And I saved myself an hour, an hour and a half. So it's not just speed that makes you more efficient in those operations. It's good time management and good relationship building. Right. Well, it's funny you mentioned about the extra work. So, like, even even in intermodal, a, a lot of our, you know, a lot of times we go back empty, and then sometimes we'd have, like, quote, backhauls to the rail yard. And, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes it pays to be 10 minutes behind the other guy because you right. might get the pickup that you you already clocked out you know what i mean so it, yeah I, sometimes I, I there's all, just those random pretty, things right right yeah I, i'm just not built for local work i uh i did it for a couple of years and it was funny because if you ever saw one of our companies trucks parked at the diner you knew it was me i i wasn't scared to take time out for lunch and and we weren't paid by the hour so but but everybody else just wants to get home but but anyway um you just reminded me you guys were talking about tires and and i have the tst and uh if i can get a good 130 cold i mean it's nothing for me to be over 150 going down the road um which freaks people out but (laughs) yeah um did did your Kickstarter 
tire pumper inflator ever show up? No, not yet. Not yet. One one of these days it'll pop up either telling me they're shipping me one or telling me I lost all my money, which uh, is fairly common on, on these services. I do two of them, Kickstarter and uh, there's another one I do I always forget the name of. Uh, and I just got surprised yesterday they're sending me out something I had paid for probably two years ago and forgot all about. So every now and then it happens, but I haven't seen that tire inflator yet. And my thought on that is that it's going to have the same problem that these construction, you know, compressors do. They, they can pump a lot of pressure. It's volume that you need with our tires. So we'll see. Um, I, I have a feeling it's going to work great on a car tire. I'm just not sure if it's going to, you know, unless you can stick it on there and, and go have dinner and come back. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I have plenty of patience if I don't have to stand there and hold it. Yeah, know? me too. Um, right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. My old truck, I had the air governor jacked up that I could get. 130 in there but this one not anyway not yeah adjustable. and it, i can't it's under the catwalk so i'm too lazy to you know put a different one on but uh what did i actually call about oh the power hour you guys were talking about something that i didn't know about i learned something the uh and i forget that they had a a trade uh trademark name uh Radiator shutters, what were they called on the old trucks? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you okay. You guys were talking about them on the old Yeah, truck. we were talking about them. I don't remember them having any kind of a name, though. Okay, shutter something. I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't know if you knew. They're actually putting those on some cars these days. And... It's more for aerodynamics. Right. So if you block off the grill, you'll actually, you know, the the air flows around the car instead of through the engine bay. Yeah, and on cars today, that actually is an improvement. The problem with trucks today, um, if we were to block off the airflow coming through the radiator, we force it under the vehicle for the most part, and the underside of a truck is just horribly ugly. We don't have good, clean aerodynamics. Most cars today do. You look under there, everything's covered and smooth, and um, you know you don't have nearly as much access to the engine that you used to have from underneath. Uh, so that works. But in a truck, if we force it under it's just as dirty under there so we would have to solve that problem first before radiator shutters would ever help us aerodynamically yeah and and i'm not saying we should put them on per se i just uh you know it's kind of funny how everything old becomes new now you i i think you're on the right track if we get serious enough about aerodynamics and if the government keeps pushing fuel mileage standards it may happen and they may start working on cleaning up the underside and then if you do then there is a strategy that says if, if we can keep this truck cool but close off this airflow you do improve aerodynamics yep and that's all i got all right that's all i need thanks for the call Let's go to Missouri. Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I was 
talk, wanting to talk to that guy, Tony. He's not thinking right. He's wanting to run 70 miles an hour, but what's his average speed for the day? It's not going to change but between 62 and 72. Yeah, and that's kind of the... That's where they make up their time. Yeah, that's the concept I I try to explain, but it's really hard. Everybody makes it just a pure math problem. Like I said, if I can drive 10 miles an hour faster, that means I get 10 more miles every hour I drive, and it never works out that way. Now, they have to start driving immediately at 70 miles an hour and drive for 10 hours and stop, <laughs> and that's when they get 10 miles per hour more. Yeah, it and doesn't when, happen that way. when you try to explain the differential, if my top speed uh-huh. is 80 miles an hour or my top speed is 60 miles an hour, the differential between my top speed and my average speed gets much, much smaller as I slow down. The faster I, if I wanted, if I could yeah. go drive a hundred, that differential would get even bigger because every time I have to slow yeah. down to 60 because of traffic or a traffic light or any time I have to slow down or stop, my, av- my differential starts growing. Yeah. Yeah. Your average, the average speed, you know, between 62 and 72 is like five miles an hour. Yeah. I, you know, I did that for a month trying that out. And, you know, you're not going to make it up. And I can drive 62 and get pretty near 700 miles a day yeah, without the, any trouble. It's just sitting the, my ass in that seat. And I'm, here's the other, here's the other mathematical mistake they make. They say, but if I can get 10 more miles, then I make X amount of dollars more. And if I slow down, my fuel savings are only Y. And they say, look, I made more than I saved. No, you didn't because you don't get to keep gross revenue. There are lots of expenses that have to come out of it. So you only get to keep a percentage of the revenue, but the fuel savings you get 100% of. That's another mathematical error they make, and trying to explain that to them gets difficult. Yeah. It's not simple math. It's complicated. You know, the the government is, is... trying to pull this mathematical issue right now. They're, they're talking about the fair tax, which I love. McCarthy actually um, brought up the fair tax on the House floor. Um, so the, the progressives, the liberals, the Democrats are all screaming every day. Biden's posting, Schumer's posting, Pelosi, all of them. Oh, my God, the Republicans are trying to put a 30 percent tax on you. Sales tax. Well, first off, yes, but they're getting rid of all the other taxes you don't ever talk about. You're trying, you're scaring people saying they're just going to add this tax. Well, that's ignorant. The other thing is, though, it's not 30%, it's 23%. And they play a mathematical game to say that it's 30 And trying to explain the math to somebody is really difficult. So they keep hearing this 30% number, and that's false. It's a 23% sales tax. Well, the Democrats want that complicated formula so they can get more money. Exactly. That's why our taxes are so complicated, and they don't want a fair tax. 
because it, it, that takes yeah. away a lot of their power. Yeah, and it takes away a lot of their loopholes, too. Yes. Yeah, that's what, where they get their power from, by going to lobbyists and yeah. saying, you know, you give me a bunch of money and I'll go push for this law that really benefits your tax situation. But it works. Yeah, it works. Yeah, and that that's a that's a good piece of advice. Don't take our word for it, but don't believe your own calculations either. Try it for a month. Give it a real effort and watch what happens. Let's go to Pennsylvania this time. Wade, welcome to the program. Hey, Kev. Good to talk to you. Uh, just wanted to share a quick story here. Um, kind of helped Tony uh, figure that out in his head with the cold water leak. I remember as a young guy, probably 18, I had my first experience with this and it, it really made it click in my head of what, what a cold water leak was and why it happens. I always, you know, kind of understood cooling systems and just couldn't figure out why it, when something is under pressure, 10 or 15 pounds, it wouldn't leak, but then it cools off and there's no pressure in the tank and it would leak. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a big waste oil burner in the in the shop in the garage that I was working in at the time, um, and I was kind of responsible for it, you know, maintain, make sure it was on, running, and stuff. And one night, I filled the the oil tank inside the room that was always at room temperature. It filled off of a much larger tank, the storage tank up on top of the roof. So when you brought that cold oil down in into the tank inside the room it would always mess with the pressure on the on the furnace. So sometimes it, it would actually shut the furnace off because the oil was too thick to actually draw it into the furnace to burn it. Yeah. So one night I filled this filled this waste oil tank inside the room with oil and went home for the night. I came back in the next morning and I thought, oh no, this uh, furnace had shut off over the night and the, the room was flooded with water. I mean, it was everywhere. It was all over the floor. It was, you know, deep enough that it actually splashed around when you yeah. <laughs> when you walked in the room. And I quick, I went running over to the shop. I'm like, guys, I screwed up. I let this furnace turn off, and it must have froze overnight and broke a pipe. So they come, they come over and they start laughing. They're like, they're like, no, it's all right. Just turn it back on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they actually took the time to explain it to me what was going on. All of the little nipples that, you know, connect all the piping. And then that massive, like, two-and-a-half-inch or three-inch piping that took water into this furnace and back out. Right. And it, it was just, you know, they said that those fittings shrink that much from their room temperature size to the size when they're 30 degrees or, you know, say at the time they probably were 40 degrees. They, they shrink that much that right. they'll actually allow water to get through the threads of the pipe and out you yep. know out of the pipe yeah and uh, that that made it click you know expanding it to such a such a large size and seeing the amount of water that was on the ground it, it instantly that solved uh that kind of made it make sense for me no you're right that it, it the the idea of when we heat something up it expands and when we cool something down it contracts is part of what creates this when when the 
materials, whether it's plastic, metal, whatever we've got, when they shrink, that's when they're cold, that allows for a leak. But now get all those components hot and they expand and actually seal off the leak. Yeah, that's how this was. I mean, this was this had a leak on it from one of the pipes right above the furnace. That was it was leaking that bad that it was yeah. a steady stream of water coming out. I mean, it wasn't a hundred percent steady, but it was almost right. a steady stream. Right. And sure enough, you got it up. I mean, it, it was warm to the point where I guess still put my hand on that pipe, but it it wasn't cold anymore, and that leak was gone. And yep. I was like, well, there you go, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so then it makes sense. Yep. That's. That's all I had. All right. Great stuff. Yeah, that, that helps to explain it. it. It's the expansion of all the materials when they're hot that can sometimes seal those things off. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Hey, I've also got phone lines open. I'm not sure what just happened. I just looked up around on our last call. So if you want to jump in, 855-950-3835. I've got about... Oh, no. I've got plenty of time left. Uh, Rolling Toe is at 10 o'clock today. Um, It may only be Kevin Beckett. I think Mike is uh, feeling a little under the weather. So we've got plenty of time. Pick up the phone and join me. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, what's on your mind today? Howdy. Uh, Local work. Uh, Some work I used to do back in New Zealand, which is going back. 23, 24, 25 years ago. And if if you wanted to get the extra load in, all you had to do was make sure you were one, two, three, or fourth truck there in the morning. Because if you were the fifth truck, you couldn't get back four loads in the day because it was too late. Yeah, that's so exactly what I mean. started early sometimes. Sometimes the starting, not going fast, just starting early or being first in the queue will get you the extra load. So that's kind of, you know, what I was talking about in the second example, that driving faster in an operation like this is a way that works. Doesn't always work, but it it can. That, That driving faster all day can make up that 10 minutes you might need to get one more load in that day. But there are lots of other strategies as well that can do that, like you just mentioned. Understanding that the fifth truck in line will never be able to get that extra load. So you're going to have to come in early enough to be the first four. Um, One of the things I did, uh, this was 1987, maybe even 1986. This was early. I went out and spent almost $2,000 on a cell phone, a portable cell phone in the late 80s. Looked like one of those giant army field radios. Um, (laughs) I paid almost $2,000 for that phone, and I was paying about $600 a month. But the ability. So here's all the other drivers in, in the local area. All the other drivers, every trucking company, it was all the same. We all used pagers back then. So now you're out running around trying to get all your deliveries off and you know you've got some pickups to make and you're trying to coordinate all this and your pager goes off. Well, now you've got to stop and find a phone. phone. Exactly. That is is time consuming. Or you say, 
Oh, you know, I'm on my way to a stop. I'll get to that stop and then I'll call and check. And you drive 30 minutes to your next stop to find out that if you would have called and checked, you were right next to the pickup and it was just two boxes. You could have just grabbed them and now you have to go back. So having that phone... And I, dispatch obviously had my phone number, but so did all of my customers. And I would tell them, if you have a time-sensitive load, do not call dispatch first. Call me first. That way I can work it into my day as soon as I can and I know about it. Then you can call dispatch and take care of all the other stuff. But call me first. What a difference that made. My, my revenue went up yeah, well, tremendously because I had that phone. Yeah, well, that, that guy I worked for in New Zealand, 1990, we had Motorola cell phones in the truck. Actually, I still remember the phone number, 025-9003-004. <laughs> there you go. So, like, there, you, there you go. But it was mounted right there on the dashboard. But yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have radios or anything, so... You know, he'd, you'd take off and you'd go up to, well, from New Plymouth up to Auckland. You'd make your deliveries and then you'd call them. Oh, where, where, where are we going? Oh, well, you knew roughly where you were, your daily pickups, but they'd always be, oh, you need to go here. Right. And then when we got the phones put in, that, that was a life changer right there. So, because he'd call it. And if you hop back in the truck, because you couldn't take it out of the truck, you, you hop back in the truck and it's missed call, or you call the boss. Yeah. Oh, you need to go to so-and-so. And it, I, I don't know how much he was paying in 1990 for a phone in the truck, but I imagine it was saving him a whole lot of money. I, so. I, I was spending a lot, but it was worth every penny. Yep. So, um... I actually think... Tuesday, I, 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 I actually think that it did more than that. It actually got me a contract. So I was with Spartan Express yep. at the time doing all that local work. Spartan was owned by Roadway, and Roadway had just started RPS. That was, that was what was going on in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. All that was happening. So I wanted to put a truck at, at RPS. It looked like a good opportunity to me. The local terminal had a contractor already. It was just one contractor. He had the whole building. So... I had been keeping an eye on that and, you know, watching it, and they got rid of him for poor performance. And a lot of the contractors I knew at the time went and applied for it. And I went, they're only going to hire one contractor and you get the whole building. And I walked in with that phone. Uh, You know, I had it in a big holster on my belt, and uh, the terminal manager looks at it. He says, what the hell's that? I said, it's a phone. You can call me anytime you want, and I'll answer it. I think that's why I got the contract, because I was the youngest guy, had the least amount of experience, and somehow I got the contract. Yep. Yeah. You must have been lucky. That's it. I was just lucky. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, on Tuesday, I, I left home, left Oklahoma. It was raining, then it was going to turn to snow later in the day, which it did. But I, I didn't have any snow. I just had rain all day, Texas. I ran 63 mile an hour down to Texas, empty. Um, came along just after the tornado that went through Pasadena, Laporte. Train was blown over. A couple of trucks blown over. All the power poles were leaning over. 
And then I get to the port and the sun came out, so my timing was good. I got loaded and then I headed back north and I ran 62 mile an hour for the first two hours after I got loaded. And then to get where I wanted to do, uh, to get to, to the rest area, I kicked it up to 65. I was at 10.95 driving hours and I was 658 miles for the day. So if I can't make enough money by doing 658, <laughs> I'll probably need to yeah. look at that. That's a that's getting towards a a big mileage day for me. So more often than not, I'm 600, 620, and I'm quite happy with that. But 658 yeah. is uh, pushing the limit for me pretty much. So uh, yeah, I, I did have so. one day where I ran really fast. I did run really fast one day, and I did 688, I think it was. But that's really – few mileage went out the window a little bit. But. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't get that many more miles. Yeah. No, another 30 miles. Big right, deal, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Okay, right. I'll let you carry on. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's go to California this time. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What can I help you with today? Kevin, I'm calling in again. I've called you about my niece, you know, uh, having those panic attacks. Yeah. Anxiety. Yep. Well, I didn't quite, because I tune into your show like three minutes before you start. And I heard this lady on there and she was like crying and fed up with it that she had anxiety. So I have an update on that call. Um, Lauren and I did, uh, we're doing a one-on-one together with Aaron. Aaron was the one that made that call. Um, her anxiety attacks were debilitating. Uh, she wasn't functioning. Like you said, she, she was crying when she called. She was struggling that much with it. Um, yeah. We're, we're working on almost exclusively supplements right now. We're, we don't have her doing much of the stress protocol. I have her do some breathing once in a while if she feels like it, but I don't want her pushing the physical stress protocol right now because that, that wouldn't work. We would actually end up making things worse. Sometimes when you're you're too far into this, we've got to be a little more careful about how we work our way out. So we're only working with supplements and adaptogens right now. And when we got on the phone with her, she was kind of crying again, but it was they were happy tears. Seven solid days with almost no symptoms. Wow. So... Yeah, the reason when I heard that is because my niece uh, will go to the grocery store, my brother told me, and she will not get out of the car because she's so scared sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's awful. It's debilitating. It's, it, it changes people's lives, and it's awful. It, the good news is we can fix it. It's metabolic. It's gut. It's the same. We're dealing with all the same issues we deal with. If somebody says, I have fatty liver, what am I going to do? I've got type two diabetes. What am I going to do now? If they say I have anxiety, we're going to do the same thing. This is about nutrients, nothing else. This is, this is about diet. 
And, and we are really encouraged with some of the supplements that are working. The adaptogens are powerful, but um, we have a probiotic now that is just for mood. Uh, you know, we've talked about the yogurt, the, the oxytocin increases and uh, starts to balance out a lot of these things. This, this is all nutrition. I believe it, Kevin, and I can't wait. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll listen for her again. And cause, uh, I mean, it makes me feel really bad to see her like that. You know, I and you don't uh, uh, you don't think it would have anything to do with the vaccine. Now, see that I don't know. I, I wish I did know. I wish we were more open and transparent about all of this so we could figure these things out. We can't rule it out, but let's say it is. Let's say even somebody could prove to us that it was. Well, if they could tell us why, what did it cause, then we could start to figure out how to counteract that. All we can do now is say, yeah, it could play a big role in this. We, we don't know. Let's do all the right things and see what happens. You know, let's get the proper nutrition and let's use the right supplements. When it's time, let's work in the physical stress protocols. That's all we can do. And and I, I, I'm with you. I, there, it probably is part of this. But it, until we can get some data on, yes, it is, and here's why, and here's what caused it, there's not much we can do except do all the right stuff. Right. Because now she tells me, well, the doctor said, I have P-O-T-S, POTS. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what does he want to do with that? SSRI and uh, now uh, the speed. Wait a minute. Uh, wait, wait, wait. What wait. do you call it? Why is he doing? Oh, he's doing an SSRI for the anxiety. That's, the, that's what the SSRI yeah, is for. Uh-huh. What's he, what what and does I, he want to do about the POTS? Um, POTS, I guess she, her blood pressure goes down too low. Is that the problem with her? Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not random. It happens when you stand up. We actually do a test like this. If I have a, if I have a client in person, what we can do is we can have them lay down. There's a very specific way you do this. You have to use a, a traditional blood pressure cuff and a stethoscope, and you know, have to know how to take blood pressure. You have them lay down. You take their blood pressure. You leave the cuff on them, and you have them stand up really quickly, and we check the blood pressure. For a healthy person, their blood pressure should shoot up. That's your body compensating for that motion. And by shooting your blood pressure up, you won't get dizzy. And, but if, you're, if your adrenals are weak, if you are overstressed, which obviously she is, then the opposite happens. When you stand up yeah. fast, your adrenals give out and your blood pressure drops and you get dizzy. That, that that's what's happening. They will treat that with some sort of a drug or whatever. And we're saying, no, this is just nutrition and lifestyle and stress. And we can fix this without drugs. And it makes you know, sense. That right, she, Kevin, be- it, it, it makes sense that she has pots. Her adrenals are shot. Yeah. 
and that's from diet. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, is all diet related. Um, it's not dangerous in the immediate sense that she's going to die or anything like that, but it, it's an indication that is she, she is extremely unhealthy. And it will just continue to get worse. All of the conditions that got her here, if we don't change them, she's probably within a year or two will have some sort of rampant autoimmune condition. Um, She's going to go through, she's going to have digestive issues. She'll go through all that same stuff and it will be a struggle and doctors will keep trying different drugs. And and instead, we could completely turn this around and fix all of it, and it really is just diet. I mean, a little bit of lifestyle, um, but but not much. It, it's ninety percent diet. I think you're right, Kevin. Yeah. Once I heard her say that the doctor wants an SSRI, I told her I wondered that stuff is very addicting. Not only you that, be very there, careful with that stuff. there is some evidence, and this is really scary. There's some evidence that taking SSRIs one time changes your brain these drugs really this is another group of drugs like statins they they almost shouldn't exist they have almost no use at all yeah that's why i'm really concerned about it i don't want her to be like that (sighs) it's all diet i thank you very much kevin and i'll wait for the update uh, you're welcome. Yeah, we'll uh, we will be. I think we've got another consult with Aaron coming up in a couple weeks. I'm not sure if we've scheduled that yet or not, uh, but we will definitely be updating that. Um, but it was really, it was just, I, I was just so happy when we got on the phone with her, and there was improvement. That's all I was hoping for. She was in such a bad place that I was just hoping for improvement. But sometimes when somebody's in that place, it, it's difficult. So I'm really, really encouraged by the results. And it was so, uh, it was just so heartwarming and amazing to hear the relief in her voice when she talked about, you know, seven days with no symptoms and what a relief that was. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that one. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Brian, what's up? I'm back. Um, Yeah, you you were talking about uh, time management and relationships. And, you know, I always try to be early, but not in a hurry. And Bruce talks about this a lot. When you when you leave the house, leave earlier. And, you know, I always try to be wherever I need to be the next morning you know, the night before and, and all that. Um, you know, I, I had a, I, I agree with that. And that may be a bigger thing than most people think, you know, it, one of the, in business, when you're talking about business meetings and sales calls and things like that, it's a little different. Um, you're talking about smaller amounts of time, but the one phrase that I had heard early on in business and I, I liked it. So I kind of picked it up and stuck with it was, um, let me see if I can get this right. I haven't said it in a long time. Um, on time is late and 10 minutes early is on time. There you go. 
And, now, in trucking, and, you, you can expand no, that out to a bigger, you know, an hour earlier, four hours earlier, whatever. But the idea that even if you have an appointment, if you walk in the door on the minute of your appointment, you're late. That That's not really how business works. Be 10 minutes early. Yeah. And, and that's... Uh that's counter to my personality. Me I'm too. A, <laughs> Me too. I'm a procrastinator, <laughs> I, and I'm uh, yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always late to anything yeah. social. But you know, like, I, yeah, with trucking, I force myself to to be early, but not in a hurry. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It's not that I'm chronically late. I'm probably I'm not really. I'm, I'm more chronically early than anything. But what can happen with me? Um, just like I say every day, I, I can't tell you what date it is until I look at my watch and I just said it 24 hours earlier and I say it every day and yet tomorrow I'll forget what day it is and I'll have to look at my watch. I just don't, a lot of times I'm just not aware what month it is, what day it is, what time it is. I don't like schedules. I don't like rules. I So for me, it, it's more of a, I'm just not aware of it, but that's easy to make up. You know, we have watches and smartphones and alarms, and it, it, that's an easy problem to solve. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I don't like schedules, I, and so I just show up a half day early for <laughs> right. most of my appointments. <laughs> there you go. Which, you know, if you can get loaded early, that's, yeah. you know, sort of a, a luxury. A and, yeah. of course, that comes back to, you know, my little trailer pool, but... Right. Um, and, and relationships. But I had a story about. Right, right. And, and uh, uh, definitely. And I do have a story about relationships in a local operation. Um, when I did do intermodal as a company driver, uh, we had a very complicated, convoluted pay scale. And we got paid almost twice as much for a live. Uh, load as a drop and hook because of the, you know, you're doing local, so obviously it's a big difference in time. The time, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had this, uh, and, you know, relate our, our boss was in on this, so there's, you know, there's a relationship, a little bit of nepotism there. Um, we had this one customer where they would get, some days, they would get like five deliveries um and they were live unloads they didn't have a yard or a trailer pool that we could um officially use everything was booked as a live load and but due to our relationship with them as well at a local level um what they allowed us to do and really they liked us to do um because it took some pressure off of them is they would give one driver five of these live loads and, and they were scheduled like an hour apart. You couldn't actually, you know, make the appointments if you were doing it the way you were supposed to. But what we would do is we would bring the first one, drop it, bobtail back to the yard, the rail yard, grab the next one, drop it, pick up the empty from the first one and so on and so forth. And then you'd end up making an extra round trip, but we got paid hub miles, so that 
yeah, right. after. That was a bonus. Right. And, uh, yeah, so that was a good little gimmick we had going, uh, you know, taking advantage of relationships. Yeah, exactly. Being more efficient for everybody. So that, that was it. All right. Good stuff. Calls are, uh, calls are exploding on me here. I better get to some calls. Uh, I'll keep taking them um, as long as we have them or until about 10 minutes to 10 o'clock, and then we'll wrap this up and head on into rolling toe. But for now, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kev? I got a couple of things. Uh, that cold weather leak, I got a real good one. And this also relates to what Paul does, car hauling. So I got a brand-new truck. I left, leave out of Newark, New Jersey. I load up Jaguars. I'm going up to Minneapolis. I get into Wisconsin, you know, second day I get, I go to sleep because you can only do that, you know, drive that much. Get up in the morning. It's minus 44 degrees. Oh. So I get up to the dealership. <laughs> I get up to the dealership. I put my PTO in, and it looks like it's raining on Hennepin Avenue. <laughs> Every single hose was leaking. So now I'm panicking. I shut the pump off. I'm like, oh my god! I mean, I mean, it was. Oh, it looked like a. It looked like a like a mist at, at, at oh, Disneyland when you to go through to get out of the heat. You know. Yeah. Oh. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. So I I call the shop up, and they know what they told me to do. Let it run. I'm like, but you don't yeah. understand what's going on. Don't worry about it. It'll stop. It'll fix so itself. So I'm like, oh, my God. this, is, Yeah. Well, obviously, as the PTO ran, it came through the pump. It got warm, and it right. did stop. Yeah. But then he, then he told me, he goes, don't try tightening anything up neither. Because <laughs> it was so cold. You'll you know, you'll stop. snap it. Yep. But it was, my goodness, it was, it, was, it was oil all over the place. I don't know how we didn't get... And yeah, you know, uh, the you know, department out there, but was it was it was funny. But like I said, you know, you know, it that it shrank that much. Yep, yep, that's what yeah. happens. But uh, so another thing with like what Paul was saying with his driving, driving that many miles hauling cars. Let me tell you something. You can do that on your second day. You can't do that. I shouldn't say you can. You won't get that many miles in on a day you load unless you can load real fast. Yeah, it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? You got to be able to load yeah. your truck in forty-five minutes. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? And and that's not that's putting all the right chains on or straps, whatever. You're up the straps now, but that's a hard thing to do every day. Yep. I mean, you could do it the next day and do those miles, but you can't load and and uh, and do that very often. It's not. It just won't work. Yeah. Good point. Now, as far as cell phones go. Uh, cell phones. I had. I used to work for. Mer you talked about. I used to work for Merchants Home Delivery Service. Oh yeah. I worked for yep. a place that delivered appliances, and and uh, my by the time my wife was pregnant, my first kid, she was an, uh, a nut, and uh, she was. You I, how? What's going to happen if you I, if I have the baby? So I said, listen, I'll go get a phone. <laughs> so I bought one of the phones that you put in the in the in the truck. Right. And this way, she was able to anything, you know. And yeah. obviously, it worked. But I kept that phone, and you know the people at the at the place I worked for. So we used to a customer. You went to someone's house, they weren't home. You'd have to write a description of the house down, blah blah blah, right. and then you'd have to go find the phone. Right. Well, I had the phone right there. I could call. I'm in front of the house. Oh, they're there. No, they're not. I'm right here. Exactly. And then you know it, it helped me that way. But again, at that time, it was like a dollar a minute. So I mean, right. I was having four and five hundred dollar a month phone bills. But go back to your time management. It, it was, worked out great. It was worth it. Yep, no doubt. Yeah. 
So as further down the road, so when I went to go work for another company, you probably know was Wills. Yeah. I was leased onto Wills Transport. We used to haul garbage. They were up and out in Ohio and Ridgefield, but they had a one in Clinton. Same thing. I, you know, I was able to get call, phone calls and be able to set stuff up. All right, oh, you can call us. So I'm going to be there in 15 minutes. You know, I was able to do that going down the road, not stopping, looking for a phone booth. It, it was you know a total, I mean? so it it was a total <laughs> game changer. Changed everything when I did that. Now, I, oh, I got that there, there is. So that sounds like a really good business decision that I made. Let me tell you the downside. <laughs> there's another, the rest of the story. Um, so uh, one of my older brothers was, um, he was the one that kind of introduced me to this phone. He was a big golfer. And one of the golf courses that he played at, this company came in and would rent these phones to golfers while you're out on the course take this phone with you that's that's how he found these phones originally and and we bought a couple of them and then he came to me and he said hey I, he said i got this great deal he said i can get like 30 of these phones for half of what we just paid for them he said we should buy them and sell them to all our owner operator friends and I said, that sounds like a great idea. And we did. And within about a week, cell phones were everywhere, it seemed like. And they were way, way cheaper than we, we had paid for these things. We got screwed on that deal. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. We took a bath on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Another good thing I had, too, is when I left, when I left Will's, I went to this place, uh, leased onto him, and we ran all over. But I had a thing where I used to come... Same thing. You would have to go find a phone once you got empty. So I was able to, once you, you know, they gave you a broker's dump phone number, all right, call him. You know, he wants to know when you're going to be there. I would be able to do that right from the, yeah. as soon as I got the dispatch yeah. on it. Exactly. I could be driving down the road instead of sitting. You know, and then uh, I finally got to this one spot. Yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, at some point, this advantage went away because everybody got a phone. But it's hard to yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's hard to tell people how much of a difference that made when you were the only one that had a phone. Oh, oh, ab- absolutely. And what was good with that is I used to run in an area. So I went, we started going to North Carolina a lot. We had this one broker that the guy was huge. It was Mark Seven. It was I mean he was big down there. So that place got inundated with phones. I mean with calls. So what I did was I got the the guys direct line date and i would call him so anytime i was in that area i would call that guy direct myself before they even set me up on the load i'd call my company up hey i just got called from uh mark seven i got a load lined up from here going to there should i take it and they're like yeah we'll give them a call so they i, I wasn't involved in the rate because i got paid to set mileage but i would find myself a load before i had to wait for them to look around and go get one so yeah. you basically pre-planned yourself yep so but it, 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 was a, it was a lot of money back then, but I look back at what, like, in the, in the eight, you know, early 80s and early 90s, it, it, it made me more money than, you know, than it, than it paid for it. Yep, sure did. All right. Hey, I got to move along. We've got to get through some calls here. We're going to go to Ohio. David, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I, uh, the question I have is uh, on the talk last Friday that Joel on that data with the fuel gauges app. Yeah. 
I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing anywhere where you can even put in what engine your vehicle has. I just have the only reason I even got my years to buy in the title of my vehicle because the year and the selection dropped down for the year. I can't even get a pick one newer than 2016. What am I missing? So there, let me think of the best way to describe. So there are different ways of accessing our software. Like we have to write a, a program that works in a web browser on a computer or a web browser on an iPad or even a web browser on a phone. That, that's one way to access it. Then you can access it with an app not a web browser, and then those apps, we have to program one for iPhones, and we have to program for everything that's not an iPhone. And that's where a lot of the problems start coming in because there's so many different versions and operating systems. And so I don't remember the exact details, but that year of the truck thing, if you use a web browser and go in and set up that truck, you'll be able to put in the year. That's a that's a bug okay. on just certain devices that you can't do that year. It only goes up to 2016 or something. That That's a bug on certain devices. So um, if you're having okay. some functionality issues, you think it should do something, but it's not, you could either call our Tribe Care team and they'll help you with it or go try it on a, on a computer with a browser and see if you can get the, the functionality okay. then. All right. Well, I'll try that. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Thank yeah, you. And we, we are working on a, uh, a new app, um, both fuel gauges and profit gauges. That's one of the projects I talk about that we're working our way through. It's just a lot of work. Let's go to Minnesota. Jackie, welcome. Hi, Kevin. Well, great to have you back. I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, well, like I was telling Angie, um, there's like one day that I can call that I might actually hold my signal. Otherwise, you know, I'm kind of out in the boondock. Hey, you you are <laughs> out in the, yeah, you're you're out in the wilderness most of the time. Yep, I love it, though. Well, good to hear from That's you. What's on your mind today? That's what I called for. I was more in the uh, work less category. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, so I, I worked hard. We, we heard from Matt on his numbers for last year. He did like 150 oh, some right. thousand miles. How many did you do? Uh, 58,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure if that qualifies for part time, Jackie. Come on. It doesn't. It actually works out less than five months um, out of the year. I work four days, and then I'm home for ten days. Wow. And then every once in a while, I actually get a little more time. Like over Christmas, I was off for three weeks because the plant was closed, you know, for two weeks there, and then they got to get caught up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what you know, good, you but, you know, I've been doing this almost eleven years. You know, I was just about to to say that when we talked to Matt and I, you know, we talk about this isn't one thing. This didn't happen in one year. This is years of working on your expenses, working on numbers, building relationships, all those things we talk about. And the longer you do it, the better things get. And and here are two great examples. Both of you two did all of this stuff. Matt did it to one extreme and you did it to another. Matt did it to 150 some thousand miles with one driver and incredible amounts of revenue. 
you did it with with 50 some thousand miles in a year um like i said which is barely part-time your revenue and your net is still incredible though i mean your numbers are really impressive you just did kind of the opposite of what matt did you you kind of said how little can i work and and pay the bills and be happy yep yeah, I just, I love what I do. You know, it's not, it's not even really like a job. Um, you, I, you know, I'm out in the middle I, of nowhere. I got beautiful scenery. I can imagine I after, my after 10 days, I would be looking forward to that trip. Yeah. Yep. Time to get out and yeah. back on the road again. Get, go get, see my friends. Get some driving AKA, in. Customers. Yeah. See my friends, listen to a good audio book, get a little exercise loading and unloading. I'd be looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I kept thinking with COVID that the loads would get smaller and smaller because who's going to be remodeling their houses? But it's actually been the opposite. Um, people have gone crazy. Oh, I, yeah. I have never had such big loads. In the wintertime, it was always like, oh, my God, I'm going out with nothing. I've been going out with full trailers. I mean, I unloaded 15,000 pounds, 343 pieces of billings yesterday. And that was like three quarters of the trailer. I had one window for Casper, so that was not a big deal. And I had 76 pieces for Rapid City. But, yeah, I mean, we were there for a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get all that unloaded yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So that brings to mind another thing, too. Um, there was a guy that called in, and I don't remember when. You have to forgive me because I only work every other week, so <laughs> right. I always have to get caught up on all my shows. Right. <laughs> I can't even really listen live very much because it keeps, it keeps stopping, and then I have to restart the app to get it back going again, and it's really a pain. But um, I usually just listen to all the stuff that I recorded while I was home. Yeah. But there was a guy that called in, and he was wondering about like uh, starting in the extreme cold. Yes. So I do live in Minnesota and we do have extreme cold and it's not out of the realm of possibility that I'm starting my truck when it's way below zero. I mean, 20 below zero. Yeah. Still. And I started and I've been home for 10 days and I don't do anything um, like for the batteries or anything like that. I do have a block heater. So we plug the block heater in it a day before I leave. So on Saturday, Joel usually goes and he runs the, the cord and goes and plugs it in. So, you know, 24 hours, the block heater's on, but that's it. And my batteries are almost seven years old now. Wow. But they're still really good every time we tested them. We tested them over the summer and they were still over 900. That's incredible. Each. They're, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're Thermal King Eon batteries. Um, huh. Pretty expensive right off the bat. They were like 400 and something dollars a piece, but they had a four year warranty. I don't, think they do that anymore uh somebody told me it was only two years now but i don't know if, if you took a tra- seven if you took a traditional lead acid battery and put it through what you do it runs for four days it sits for 10 they wouldn't make it a year 18 months tops no i used to not make it a year as yeah. it was when i ran and i lived in the truck full time and i was always having either the truck running or the or the tri-pack or whatever yeah um I could never get time out of a lead-acid battery. I don't know. These AGMs, though, they're awesome. That's excellent. So, yeah, I don't have any issues. I just use uh, the FPPF fuel treatment. I use one bottle when it's below 30, and I use two bottles when it's so, below zero. And that stuff is a little tiny bottle, but I tell you, it packs a big wall up. Yeah. So how many miles are on your truck now? 
Um, I just went over two million. Wow! Uh, I think just before the end of the year. So That's the truck's awesome. Got two million. Uh, how many of the? How many of those uh, miles did you put on? Uh, almost all of them. When I got yeah. the truck, it had two hundred and twenty-eight thousand on it. Wow! When I got it in February of two thousand two. So coming wow. the end of February this year, I will have been driving this truck twenty-one years. It's incredible. Oh. Incredible. Oh, that's another thing. Uh, let me ask you a quick tax question while I have you. Okay. Um, talking about the age of my truck. So I am replacing my frame rails. They're getting pretty rusted, and um, I don't want anything to do with the new truck. I just want the only thing I want to do is to keep this truck on the road as long as I can. So yeah. I'm replacing the frame rails. The estimate is 34000 Um but the tax question I have now, if it would have been all one job in one year, it would have been easier for me to just say, yes, okay, it's a depreciable expense. But the way that um, my shop, apparently they've had people not pay for their stuff. <laughs> so ahead Imagine of time that. now you pay for your parts. Yeah. I know, right? So you pay for your parts ahead of time. So um, in November, I paid 18000 some odd dollars for the parts. So they could get them ordered and stuff like that. And then obviously once they come in, um, then they'll do the job. But on the parts, is that still going to be a depreciable expense or is no. it just no, we're, a regular we're, expense? We're, we're going to ignore the word depreciation here. And we are just going to okay. expense this like you would do any other um, repair or maintenance. You just, just take all okay. of that money off as an expense in last year, and when they do the work, you take all the work off as an expense this year. Just treat it like any other expense. Okay, and that's the way that I did it, but I thought, you know what, since I have you here, I might as well just ask just to make sure. You know, there, there are these yeah. rules that the IRS says on certain pieces of equipment. If you do a major upgrade kind of thing that you're supposed to depreciate it, um, about the only thing that would really qualify for that on a truck is the engine itself. You know, even replacing a transmission okay. does not need to be depreciated. And... Ultimately, if we had to, let's say the IRS comes in and you get some gung-ho agent and they want to say, no, this should have been depreciated. Well, so what? Throw it in Section 179 and we get the same result anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's expensive. Kind of what I thought, like I said, I yep. figured it out. Yeah. Check, well, con- yeah. congratulations my, on... Uh, was- yeah. Congratulations on 20-some years with a truck and 2 million miles. That is just awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And my trailer is getting that way, too. I've had oh, it. that's I right. Mean, I own it since 06. Yeah. I'm taking it in right now to the shop to get the kingpin replaced on it because um, it's down to its last wear or whatever. Yeah. So. Got it. Good yep, stuff. For... That done, but I know people think you're crazy taking care of old stuff, but it's like, no, I, I just don't. I don't have a use for anything new. I mean, you look at my trailer, it's 20 years old. You look at the floor and you, you just don't. They're like, why does your floor look so nice? I go, well. Number one, no forklifts go in here. Everything is hand unloaded. <laughs> hand loaded, That's right. And I hand unload everything. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Well, good stuff. awesome setup. Congratulations. Good to hear from you again. Yep, good to talk to you, Kevin. All right. Have a great weekend. Let's go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good afternoon again. What's on your mind um, today? 
You know, talking. Well, I grew up like you. Uh, I was around trucks at a young age, and we did a lot of work. This was when containerized freight, drayage freight, intermodal, was just breaking into taking, you know, taking over the overseas cargo coming in and yeah. going out. So there was a lot of loose freight at at the New York harbors, and that's what that's how I grew up going into the. The, the the New York City New York City had a lot of waterfront piers for trucking at the time. Yeah. And yeah, they did. um you know and, and and it was it was just kind of routine. Every time you went to a pier when you hand your paperwork and you'd hand two, three or five dollar bill with it <laughs> and they would get you in and out. <laughs> right. You know, and that was yeah. just it was expected. And then you you paid the forklift operator, you paid the checker, and everyone took a little, you know, not much, a dollar here, two dollars <laughs> there, but in the seventies that meant a lot. Yeah, it did. You know. So being so being schooled that way and br- and brought up in this business that way, I always carried cash on me. And that's got me in and out of situations because time is money and people don't realize how valuable your time is in life in general, but especially in this business. Yeah. Yeah. And, very good and, point. You know, so people think you're lucky. People think you're lucky. And, and no, it, you, sometimes if you throw someone a $5 bill or a $10 bill or now with inflation, maybe a $20 bill, <laughs> you, you can get in and out and save yourself hours of your day hours of your day and just think for a 20 dollar bill how much five hours of your time is worth. you know i I've, I've talked about this in the past i wrote about it in my book and and this this concept can be used in so many different ways doesn't always have to be cash you know i've i've said many times right. find a good shop build a relationship and part of building that relationship at your shop is showing up one day at 11 o'clock in the morning with six large pizzas for the whole crew. Stuff like that. You know, exactly. It, 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 exactly. what a difference that kind of stuff can make. You know, I'll, I'll, I, I watch, you know, I'll, I'll hang out at the shop that I had built a relationship in, you know, for years, and I'll sit there and watch, and you'll see these guys come screaming in the front door, you got to get on my truck, it's broke, I'm losing my, and it, that's how they approach this, and they wonder why they're struggling. Yep. On the other hand, I, I, when well, I show know, up, I don't care how much of a hurry I am in or how desperate I am. I never let them know that. I don't come screaming in the door. You got to help me. I, I, don't do that. That that nobody wants to. I know. Th- nobody reacts well to that. So no matter how urgent everything is, well, just slow down, take a deep breath, and if you take the time to build the relationships ahead of time, these times won't be so stressful. Right. Well, I'm going to give you a real world scenario that happened just yesterday. That's why it's on my mind. So after I talked to you and and Lauren yesterday, I was looking to get the inside of my tank cleaned out to go load the oil I did. You know, you need to wash the inside of the tank out before you put a different product on it. Yeah. So when I got down to the port, like Paul was saying, they had some treacherous storms and everything had no power. So the places I usually go to, they were closed. They had no power. Yeah. So I went into a a different tank wash, never been there before. Uh, on the other side of the, on the other side of the, 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 the channel there in Houston. And I walk in and they're swamped. And I said to the guy, he says, what can I do for you? I said, well, I says, I'm at your mercy. 
I said, I have a four o'clock loading time and everybody has no power. So you're, you're my man today. I said, so I know you're busy, do what you can, but I would, I would, I would love it if you can get me in and out. So he said, how are you paying? I said, I'm going to pay with a card because I don't have an account there. He said, I'm going to take you up to the office. So on the way up to the office, I said, what if I throw you a couple of dollars? You think you can move me up in line? He says, I don't know. I don't know. So we went in the office. I paid the, the, the girl behind the desk and we came back out to his pickup truck driving back and I gave him a $20 bill. And I said, here, this is for you for lunch. And I, he let me out by my truck and I had dropped the trailer. All of a sudden, I see the switcher pulling into my trailer and backing it into the tank wash. I was out of there in, a, in an hour. Wow. Yep. I mean, you know, and the guy says, anytime you come here, let me know. Let me know. And this guy ran, so, ran the whole shop there. You know what I mean? So <laughs> when, when you do stuff like that and you save yourself an hour or, you know, you have all these things we do, good time management. You know, we can save an hour here, 15 minutes there. Add up all the time you can save with good time management and building relationships and even getting out some cash once in a while, all these things, and then try to figure out how you're going to make up that much time by driving faster. You can't. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when I, when I had my, my pipe gig, my local pipe gig up in New Jersey, I never paid any of the guys down in the pier. I would come down with bottles of liquor. I, if they went to lunch and I was there early, I took a ride with them, bought everybody lunch, you know, brought down New York bagels with butter and cream cheese for the offices and stuff like that. And that's how I got in and out of the piers quick. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I've, told, you know, I, I've and, told this story so many times. I haven't told it in quite a while, so... Might as well throw it in today. Um, again, when I first started that local operation, one of the stops I had to do was right. It was actually in the town, you know, where I was born. Um, even flow baby products. That was the factory. What a disaster. The first day I show up, there's trucks all over the place. They're parking lots of mess. All the docks are full. And, of course, it's one of those really busy days. I just need to get in and get out of here. Um, it's the first time I've been to this stop. I walk in. I see the guy. There's one guy on the tow motor, and he's working like six dock doors, and he's doing deliveries and pickups and I, I go over and as nice as I could try to be, you know, I don't go rushing in and I'm all fr I really calm and casual and nice. I said, man, I'm just having one of those days. I really need to get this stop off. Can you just give me a And before I could even finish the sentence, he's like dropping F-bombs. I thought he was going to throw something at me. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And it turns out this stop became an everyday stop for me. I had to do it every single day. And every day it was like this. And I just thought this stop <laughs> screws up my day so bad. And there's nothing you could do. I couldn't even talk to this guy. He was so angry all the time. So one day right. uh, I just brought him a bunch of donuts and a, and a soda. And I didn't even say anything. I just put it over on his desk and, and walked away and just left it there. And I just kept doing that. And the guy was still a total asshole. Um, just nasty to everybody all the time. And I just decided 
I, I'll bring this guy lottery tickets every day. I am going to do something to win this guy over. He is not going to win this game. I, I will kill him with kindness every minute of every day. And he's either going to get so sick of it, he's going to kick me out of here or something's going to change. We became really good friends. It, it, it worked. It, I finally got through to the guy. He became a human being. We would talk and, and it changed everything. You know, I, I could get in and get out. He would let me carry boxes in through the door if there were no docks open. Um, everything changed. Unfortunately, there's no happy ending to the story because about three months into all this, everything's going great, and he keeled over from a heart attack, um, which yeah, probably yeah, because of his attitude his whole life, being so nasty to everybody. But it, it, I, I was just not... Might have been from those donuts that you kept <laughs> Well, that could be too, yeah. <laughs> I might have to take a little bit of responsibility here. Um, in, in my defense, I didn't know better at the time. Um, but there was just no way I, I was going to keep doing that every day. Right. Right. Yeah, I had a similar guy in a steel company in South Plainfield, New Jersey. This guy, I'm surprised this guy didn't get popped by, by people. Oh, I know. He came up and approached right. them. Yeah, this was the same and, way. Um, when, and I was a house truck there. I was a house truck there. I used to drop trailers there. And when I'd come in with their material from the pier, they, he would give me so much grief. He says, so he'd come up to me and bark at me. What do you want today? Yeah, yeah. With all kinds of expo- you know, expletives, yeah. right? And I'd say, well, I said, it's early. Let's go to lunch. I want to take you to lunch, Bob. <laughs> and he'd look at me like I was crazy. You know? Oh, oh just back it in over there. Okay. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, that's, how, that's how you form relationships. Like, look, how many guys, you know, from New York City comes down to Texas and has a shop, give them a hole to rebuild their engine with a, that, with a snap of a finger? Yeah. It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen just because... I'm a nice guy. Right. It happens because I build relationships. When I'm in the shop doing things, I'm helping them doing things. I'm giving them extra hands. I'm going over there on a Saturday morning when I don't need anything from them. I need nothing from them, but I'm going over there with breakfast for everybody. You, uh, you know, you know I, I, I just thought of something. We've talked about this before in the past. You know, when, when we start talking about, people ask me about getting direct freight a lot. And, and one of the things I'll talk about is, that involves sales. Sales is a very specific area. There's lots of skills around sales, but there's also a personality factor. Some people don't make good salespeople because they don't really like other people. They don't really build relationships well. And that's what sales is all about. So I've said many times as a, as a truck driver, think about the personality of most truck drivers. We spend hours and hours and hours every day by ourselves, and, and we do that because we like it most of the time. You know, there's a certain personality yeah. that's, that's, you know, led to certain types of work and truck drivers and salespeople are at the opposite extremes of a lot of things. Salespeople are outgoing yeah. and, and, um, you know, they, they build relationships well, that that's what they do. That's what that job is. But if, if you, so it's not surprising that truck drivers, owner operators struggle with the business aspect of being an owner operator. 
they don't really have the personality or the skills or the desire to build those kind of relationships a lot of times. They just want to go drive the truck and deliver freight. But you have to understand. Yeah, yeah, they say, business, I, yeah, yeah, they say I deliver the freight. Why can't they just give me all right. the work? I know. It, it's not just that. It, business it's runs on that. relationships you know, from top to bottom. It, it does, and it, that's never going to change. Say it. Look, I, I, I'm a typical I, truck driver. I, I, I like being alone. I don't like to work with other people. Ask anybody in our company. I lock myself in a closet and work by myself most of the time. I don't work in our groups. I don't, I, I'm not in our meetings um, ever. I, half the employees don't really right. know what I'm doing most of the time because I, I really spend most of my time alone. I like research. I don't need anybody's help to go research stuff and read. And So for me, understanding that early in business I realized I needed to develop those sales skills, whether I wanted to or liked it or not. And, and I read a lot of books on sales and you pick up, you know, just like anything else, you just learn how to be better at it. Yeah. Well, what got me to talk to people was I, you know, once I got introduced to the opposite sex, it was all about how do I make relationships in that. And that built me into very more getting confidence. And then I just used it with everybody I met, just talking to people and seeing what I can do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's how it happened for me. But, um, you know, I, people have to understand when you get direct freight and I had, I've had direct customers, you know, uh, you have to be able to capital capital fund these customers because a lot of these customers you're 60 90 days sometimes right right with big, with, with big customers so you have to be able to fu to finance that also it's easy to get indoors I, well i let me rephrase that once you get in the door it may not be easy to get in the door but once you get in the door it's so hard to stay in the door so hard to stay in the door especially in trucking valuable <laughs> You have to make yourself valuable or invaluable or make them think you're invaluable. So they don't. So, so when someone comes in, because I had TMC nipping at my heels in Jersey, and I, I let them take all the New England freight because it was dead freight for me. Yeah. You know, and the prices yeah. I wanted, I couldn't match TMC. So, I mean, but it, it was a good it was a good mix. They could never do what I do. Because I had relationships in other areas that enhanced exactly. my service right. to my customer, you know, yep. and so I made myself invaluable to them. And, and, and so when someone came in, they couldn't really accomplish what I did. Yeah. No, that, you know, you know I, I get the question all the time or people make statements all the time. Oh, my God, you can't compete with these big carriers. They blah, 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 on and on and on. And my answer is, why would you want to compete with them? Why do you think you need no. to compete with them? Go do the things that they can't do. Don't try to compete with right. them at what they're good at and where they have a huge advantage over you because they have trucks all over the place. They have drivers everywhere. They can buy trucks cheaper than you. They work on their own trucks. They Don't compete with them where they're best. Go do something right. they can't do. Yeah, they... Yeah, you know, they 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 did try to take the work that I was doing mostly out of the pier, and when I saw their truck show up for the same order, the 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 guy who ran the pier says, "What's going on with this guy?" I says, "Well, 
he could sit here all day if you know what I mean. He says he will sit here all day. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I had those relationships, exactly. so it wasn't worth for them to pay a guy all day long to do one load. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And I was doing two two loads in ten hours. There you go. Hey, Fred, got to move along. I uh, just looked at the clock. Uh, 10 o'clock is going to be here shortly. So I'll uh, take a couple more calls, and then we will uh, get this ready for – and I guess Mike is going to uh, gonna join the show. He's going to call in from home. Let's go to Florida. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind well, today? I continue on with stories – of building relationships too, but uh, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. Yeah, maybe we'll do a whole day uh, one, of, of relationship stories one day. Yep, this is just one real short one, and I won't tell the whole story. But it was Pittsburgh grocery warehouse, and same thing. The guy's kind of nasty that runs the window that you hand your paperwork in, and I've been going there for a while, and had already built the relationship because I unload my own freight. And the big problem with grocery warehouses is the lumber service. Right. And that's what slows some of it down. So just by unloading my own freight, I could get in another quicker. They give me a door sooner. Yeah. And I'm, I'm an LTL hauler with what I do. Um, Christmas brought him a whole big box of chocolates for the whole office. The guy gets up out of his chair, shakes my hand, and, I mean, it's almost like he had a tear in his eye. Nobody had ever been that nice to him. Really? <laughs> one of the weirdest things. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. but he had that look on his face. You know, he just looked like an asshole. Yeah. And yeah. he talked like I, an asshole. Right, right. But he was I, actually a decent guy if you talked to him. You know... We at the the terminal in Orlando when I was with FedEx in Orlando when I was still working, um, I mostly worked the extra board. So once I got a dedicated run for a truck, I'd put a driver in it. Then I'd take our extra truck and and I would just work the extra board. So you got to be available not every day but pretty regular. So I was still driving on and off, um, and. We just had a lot of work at night that was paying really well, so I started working nights. And and the guy we had, we called him coordinators. He was a dispatcher. I would sit there in the room and just watch when people would come in. I couldn't figure out what this guy's problem was. Him and I would be talking because I'm just hanging out waiting for my trailer, and he'd just be a normal guy. You know, nothing about the guy would have said he's an asshole or I just thought he was kind of a normal guy. And as we're talking, somebody walks in the door. He looks over at him and starts screaming at him. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what that's all about. These two must have some real history there. And, you know, that's over. And then the next guy walks in. Every time somebody walked through the guy the door, this guy started a fight. Every time, all night long. I would sit there and watch this. I'm thinking, is this guy a lunatic or what? I never could figure out what his problem was. That's just how he dealt with almost everybody. Uh, yeah, I know another uh, trucking company where the, the owner is the dispatcher and just has that voice. Everybody, all the drivers can't stand it because they think they're getting yelled at all the time. <laughs> right. Well, that's just the that's way just, they talk. That's just who <laughs> he is, yeah. 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 So, anyway, uh, the reason for my call yesterday, you had Joel Salatin on. 
Yeah. And you mentioned, you asked him about his podcast, which I had no idea he had one. So I had to add another podcast to my oh, good. To my list on, good. on Apple. Yeah. On iTunes. But it's amazing the amount of good information you can get from podcasting. You are I'm correct. Sure I know. Thousands of podcasts that are a waste of time. It, right. Um, right. You got to be very selective. One of them, I've mentioned this before, other callers have mentioned it. And it just every week his new podcast is just kind of blowing my mind on the topics he's covering. And they're, they're, he's moving more political, but he really tries to stay in the middle. And it's micro. And the podcast, the way I heard it. I, I sent you a text here oh, yeah. two weeks ago. He did one with a lawyer out of California. It's all about 85. And they actually have a truck driver call in. Um, it's about 85, but the majority of it is they're, talk, they're on the trucking side or transportation side. Okay. Just very fascinating information. This week, he had a guy on... By the name of Todd Rose. And Todd is a Harvard professor. And he's done a lot of statistics on kind of the difference between what people say in public and what they truly feel. Okay. So if you have somebody do a survey in person, either online or in paper or, you know, however, they'll answer one way. But if they do it orally with a group of people, their their answers will be completely opposite. Interesting. And he kind of goes down the road, you know, with where the left is going these days, and the whole pandemic and mask, and you know, a lot of people just go with the flow. Yeah. Even though they completely disagree with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that certainly so, seems to be the case. Yep. You know, so yeah, this uh, his newest book coming out. This Todd Rose uh, collective illusions, and that's uh, basically the science why we make bad decisions. But he's got a previous book out called The End of Average, and I, I haven't read any of these books yet, but I'm you know adding them to my list. I'm, I'm putting them on my list right now. I'm not sure why. I'm so far behind on books right now. It's not even funny, but I might as well just load up a couple more on my Kindle. I'll eventually get caught up and I'll get to them. Um, you know, winter time is usually when I do a lot of reading, but for some reason lately, I don't know. I think I'm just wearing out. Uh, I think I'm just using all my brain power on projects right now. And by, by the time you know, five or six o'clock rolls around. I just don't feel like reading. So I, I haven't been, I'm getting way behind. So hopefully uh, I'll get back to some reading here, but I put this one on the list. Sounds interesting. Yep. So yeah, for outside of listening to your show as number one, then uh, people really should be in the podcast. And like they yeah. might grow uh, the way I heard it is the name of his. You know, Podcasts are, are really kind of like the new audio books, and in some ways they're even better. You know, when um, I had Joel on yesterday and you were talking about that, and I mentioned that he wrote that speech 
uh, for the college that he gave, and then he turned it into a blog post. And there's so much good material in there, it should almost be a book, but it's too short to be a book. So this is where, uh, you know, podcasts really come in. Um, and, and I think you could probably, if you get picky, like you said, it takes some time to go find the good ones. But you get some good ones, you're going to learn far more from podcasts than you will from audiobooks even. You know, the problem with books is that in order to publish them, there's like a sweet spot for how long a book should be. You don't want it to be too short. You can't make enough money. You don't want it to be too long. It's too expensive to print and ship it. So we always get these books that are all about three or 400 pages. And how many books have you read where the really, really good stuff could have been in about 60 pages instead of 300? Everybody expands their book because they have to. And same thing even with authors we absolutely love that have written many books. They have to tell their story. (laughs) Another good point. You're right. This is the first book they're going to read. Right. Good point. Yeah. There's a lot of wasted repeats and. Yeah, whereas podcasts, yeah, it's another great format. And for truck drivers, what could be better? Audio content is is just the best of everything for a driver. It it takes zero extra time out of your day to learn all this stuff. And then uh, another one that's mentioned all the time, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Now, his network... I don't even know the number, but I they probably put out multiple podcasts a day. The actual Ramsey show is three hours a day minus commercial, so it's, I don't know, three 40-minute segments. But if people just getting started and just need a little bit of boost every day, he's got one called Everyday Millionaires. It's just one call per day, so it's anywhere from three to ten minutes. And it's either people that have succeeded very well and became millionaires or they're in the middle of making a decision that's going to make them a millionaire. It's just a very inspirational call every day. That's that's very short, so it's, it's not something you would have to spend a lot of time on, but I think it's a great way for people to get started into his stuff. Yeah, no, I, I really like that idea. In fact, I was thinking about something along those lines um, with the idea of not creating a new podcast with one call like that, but maybe every day picking the call of the day and, you know, separating it out and maybe even posting it on Twitter every day or something along those lines. So, you know, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're building our networks. We're looking for new shows and new, new segments and features. Um, Dave Ramsey's got a, got an awesome system there, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know, none of that stuff is easy. It all takes, people it, and it does. time and money yeah. you know, to put something like that together where, you know, he's got I don't even know how big he is nowadays. He he just built a auditorium too. Really? The newest location. Wow. So he he can put on his own um seminars nice. On site. Yeah. He's nice. He's and and you know it. what? Like, I think, you know, thirteen, fourteen hundred employees, he's he's big. 
Yeah, think about this. 13, 1,400 employees, building auditoriums, everything he's accomplished, and he has one idea. That's it. Yeah. He has one yeah. idea. That's it. He That's all he like talks about. 30-some years ago. Yeah, and it works. Yeah. It, it works. It's really effective. Yeah. It, it, people have tried to criticize him forever on so many things, and he's, it, it just works. You can't argue with results. And he's probably getting more attacked these days because, you know, with TikTok and uh, yeah. all these, you know, social influencers. He, these are most of his rants these days. He calls it TikTok. Well, you're getting your advice from Tic Tac, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody that, you know, some 20 year old that has no experience that, you you know, it's, it's not a good life plan. You know, if they can prove it, their results, maybe they do have good information, but well, ideas are everywhere. It, it's kind of like results. Twitter all of a sudden. I, I have become a target for all the vegans. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of funny, though, but the, the, the vegans are just attacking me from all directions on Twitter all of a sudden. Uh, it, it's actually kind of funny, but you're right. It's all these these really young kind of social media influencers with big followings, but no real good information at all. And, and I look at some of these people, I'm like, how the hell did they get 250,000 followers? I've been through all their feed. There isn't one piece of good advice in here anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, logically financial advice. You can, because I've seen some, or even plays clips, YouTube clips, whatever, on his show. You know, people, the bad advice they give. Yeah. And a lot of them are... You know, Dave Ramsey's advice is outdated because, you know, for how long have we been in the 2 and 3% mortgages? It doesn't make sense at these rates to pay off your house. Okay. Uh, yes, it does. We could figure out all the math, and that can be true. Having a mortgage and investing in not paying off your mortgage on paper works. On but paper. Show me people that have become millionaires doing that right right it it it, it don't, it's don't another example it, it, there aren't any you know it's no different than our earlier conversation about driving faster if you make it a math problem you will be wrong every time and and the same thing with money and mortgages and it it, it you can make it a math problem and you will be wrong every time the thought that you should be out there Getting more of a mortgage and then taking that money and investing it is just horrible advice. Yeah, so yeah, he's got studies, you know, the building wealth comes to do with paid for real estate. And I mean, we talked about, uh, what's his name, Robert Kiyosaki a while ago. Yeah. And some of his horrible, I mean, that guy is, He's the complete opposite. He, he is. The only way to get rich is to be deeply in debt. Correct. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's why I've advice. always been so against his advice. I've never liked that guy's advice from his very first book. I couldn't believe how big he got and how big he still is. And now he spends all his time telling people to buy gold and silver on TV because silver's cheap. That's why he likes it. 
then it. So I mean, even his stuff, though, technically, you work it all out on paper, it could work. Correct. And yes, there are a few people that have become millionaires by zero down real estate and financing everything. There have but been. What you don't hear is that point zero 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 one percent of the people that try it actually it, succeed at it. Wasn't that majority of the people fail? Wasn't that Dave Ramsey's? Dave Ramsey's problem in the beginning, didn't he do exactly that? Yep. Yep, he did. He, in his early 20s, became a millionaire with $4 million worth of real estate, and then the bank laws changed, and and he had to refinance and couldn't. And if I remember right, he was a finance major. I believe so, yeah, he has... He has several letters behind his name. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure when, when he did that in his 20s, he was a, a finance major. So it, it wasn't like he didn't understand money and finance and all those things. He did. And it worked for a while. And I'm sure it was pretty impressive to see him at that age making that kind of money. But we saw the end result. So there's somebody that has done it both ways. Most of the people who criticize them have not done it both ways. I just looked at the clock here, uh, talking about results. Uh, Mike Beckett, I'm sure, would oh, yeah. love to share more results on good tire wear. <laughs> yeah, I, they're, uh, yeah, they're texting so, me. I'll they're ready. So I'll cut you loose. I've got one more call I'm going to grab, uh, and then we will turn this over to them. Uh, Travis, go ahead. Yeah, I'm a long-time listener, and... I got my own authority a couple of years ago and I didn't really focus on my fuel economy. I know all this stuff is out there as far as tire pressure and like trailer gap and stuff. Where would you rent? And you guys always talk about running high tire pressures and then Michelin's got charts out there that show like on steer tire pressure, they want you to run at like 95 pounds if you're not running yeah, so let me let me address that pretty quickly because uh, we've we've had to deal with this for a long time. Ideally, when you see those charts from a company like Michelin, when you're at this weight on this specific tire, use this specific pressure, and they have worked it out. So that pressure with that weight, and this would be a great call for Mike. He could probably do a much better job. They've worked it out, so when you have that much weight on the tire, you use that much pressure, and it will give you that perfect footprint. Does that make sense? You're going to get the absolute best handling and tire wear you can get because we've created the perfect footprint for this tire. If it has less pressure, the footprint won't be quite so perfect. If it has more pressure, it won't. That's true. And if tire life is your number one concern, you might want to do that. But let's think about this. That would mean every day, every time you changed the load on your truck, which is multiple times a week, you would be calculating all those individual tire positions and then trying to get the air pressure right. Who the hell's going to do that? That's not practical. And we know that if we just take reasonably good care of our tires, we have drive tires lasting 300,000 miles or more. 
So is getting a little bit more tire life out of our tire worth it for all that work we would have to do to get the pressure right all the time? So if that's not going to be our method, and it's not for me, there's no way I'm doing that kind of work to figure out what tire pressure should be over and over and over. If I'm not going to use that method, then the next method I'd look at is the more air I put in a tire, the better fuel mileage it gets. The more air I put in a tire, the longer it lasts. All of our problems are caused by underinflation, never overinflation. So if I take all that into account, I'm just going to run pretty high tire pressure all the time. So on a standard 6x4 with duals, 110? Sure, you can run 110. You could also run 80. As far as tire wear goes, it's not going to matter much. It will matter for fuel economy. The downside, the ride will get rough. You'll notice it. You start getting, yep. you know, up to 110, 115, 120, you'll feel a stiff, bumpier ride. And you, and I've said on my coach, I do the opposite. I run my tires soft on the coach. I don't care about fuel economy. Sucks anyway. Um, I, I care about the fact that if I get those tires too hard on the coach, you start breaking stuff. Okay. All right. Nope, that's what I had. All right. Thanks. I, I've been running my drive tires at 75, but I'm yeah. Bring them up to 110. Run them up and watch what happens to your fuel economy. And then find your sweet spot. If the ride's too rough, back it off a little bit. Um, lots, of, lots of those things we can do for fuel economy. So, all right. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, Mike and Kevin Beckett are standing by. This will take us all of about uh, three minutes or so. So don't go away. I will close out this show. We'll open up another show, and you will be listening to Mike and Kevin Beckett in just a couple minutes, so stick around. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.